Welcome to CoreCentric Conversations, the podcast dedicated to sharing stories of procurement and finance transformation. Hello, everyone. Today, we've reached the fourth episode in this five-part podcast series. Today, we're actually going to move on and discuss how we can transition into the execution phase of the transformation. Now, remember, we're talking about procurement transformation, specifically where the effort is finance-led. We'll be looking at common challenges to expect when the transformation specifically is led by finance versus being purely led by procurement. And of course, we'll discuss some ways to remain flexible so that you can overcome these hurdles while maintaining healthy internal relationships. As they have in the other three parts in this series, Joe Payne and Jennifer Ulrich from CoreCentric are back to join me. And Joe, I'm going to start today's conversation with you. In transitioning from proposal into planning and actual execution, what are the factors that need to be considered as project rosters and governance models are being developed and formalized? Sure. You know, I think that the most important thing to consider there is to have a clear communication and outreach plan to the business. And I always like to think about the, the old um, Simon Sinek TED Talk, you know, start with why, right? So start with why in your communication plan. People need to understand why you're going through this process and through this transformation. They need to understand, you know, tied to that, what are the priorities as part of that transformation and ultimately, how will those priorities or those changes impact them? And so top level, that's what you need to communicate. And that's what you need to repeat over and over again, because people who aren't part of the day-to-day project aren't necessarily going to remember those things every time a discussion happens that impacts them. And so to that end, the next thing is they need to know what their role is uh, and the expectations particularly when there's a time commitment or a significant time commitment from their area of the business. So it, I can't tell you how often we see, you know, a, a transformation start with a racy, but without the clear time commitments tied to it, people yeah. don't plan appropriately and then projects tend to slow. Um, next, you need to define escalation paths and how to resolve those things. So best, best laid plans always change. And understanding there's things you may not have thought of, roadblocks you may encounter through the process, what are, where those occur, what is the chain of authority in making decisions and about changes, and uh, who is the ultimate decider uh, tied to the project that can actually make sure things don't get roadblocked or that can be addressed quickly when there are. Um, And then folks need to understand to the same end, you know, who's the top level sponsor? And then what is important to that sponsor, right? Report on progress of the initiative regularly. Don't assume your top level level sponsors or executives that are not in the day-to-day weeds know what's going on at all times. Keep them apprised. And most importantly, know what's important to them and keep them apprised of those things. So an overall project plan with the red, green, yellow, that's fine, but customize it. Make, make sure that it aligns to what top-level sponsors need to know. And then the last piece of advice I would, I would give tied to a communication plan is you know, understand that people have this natural fear of the unknown. And a transformation means change. We're going from a state where people are familiar with something, they know how it works, 
to something new. And they're going to be natural, you know, either, you know, realized or unrealized fear of those changes. And so it's really important for when you're leading these transformations to make sure you limit that. Make sure that the, the fear of the unknown is limited. So again, it's thinking about the people who aren't on the projects day to day that might hear bits and pieces of information as it trickles down the lane, uh, how to proactively communicate with those folks, get ahead of their concerns, um, and make sure that there's as little unknown as possible. I actually think that's a really important point because any transformation, right, digital transformation generally, procurement transformation more specifically, and of course, in this case, procurement transformation with a heavy hand from finance, their big projects, their long journeys, they touch a lot of people, and there's no way for us to know in advance every single thing that's going to happen along the way. So Jennifer, as I bring you into the conversation, as we look at the scale of these undertakings, what types of challenges or maybe even a few pain points should people expect to encounter along the way? Sure. So some of the most common roadblocks that I've seen uh, are really tied to resources, timing, and budget. So I think the resources piece in particular is probably a more prevalent pain point within the finance organization. As we know, uh, oftentimes month-end close, quarter-end close, year-end close, these are things that really just can't be put aside or allocated to other people. So uh, oftentimes the resource component there is that they just don't have enough people to dedicate. Uh, it can also be not the right people in the right role or just you know not being able to put enough time in effectively, um, consistently is the best way to say it, right? Um, timing. So trying to take on too much too fast or going too slow. There's a really, really careful balance when it comes to transformation. And as Joe mentioned, um, that change management component is really, really important because you need to understand what the right pace is for your organization based on your change culture. And really, you know, what else is going on? Uh, you don't want to go too fast so that you're trying to change things and people don't have the opportunity to really understand what's happening and keep up with it. But if you also take too long, people are going to lose focus, right? Uh, some other thing is going to come up and, and they're going to get redirected and it's hard to kind of go back to that transformation piece again. I think the, the budget is another one that's really uh, underestimated. So, and, and again, that comes probably from a result of poor planning and, and really the factors that like, when you think about the two that I just spoke about, timing and resources, if those elements aren't planned effectively, you end up using more resources for longer than you expected. So naturally that ends up costing more. And those are the sort of things that kind of run your budget uh, off track when it comes to this sort of thing. So, you know, I really say that those three main things and, and really what it comes down to is adequate planning and change management. And uh, my colleague often uses this quote, uh, supposedly from Abe Lincoln, um, if I only had an hour to chop down a tree, I would spend the first 45 minutes sharpening my ax. People really undervalue uh, how much time and effort it takes um, and the value of actually planning effectively. And yet without it, it's, it's almost impossible for an effort on this scale to succeed. 
So at this point in the conversation, we actually come to one of my favorite parts of any discussion about procurement transformation, and that's sort of the lessons learned part. I mean, there's there's nothing better than, of course, names removed, so to protect everyone involved, (laughs) there's nothing more fun and interesting than hearing about mistakes that other people have made so that we can learn from them, because we know these mistakes are going to be made, and we know probably the same mistakes are being made in different organizations over and over and over again. So I know both of you have led your fair share of transformation projects over the course of your careers. What I'm interested in is if you can share some of the most common mistakes you have seen, and if you can, again, names removed to to protect everyone involved, share a couple of tales from the trenches or things that that really stuck with you. Joe, can I start with you? Any sort of common mistakes or really good lessons learned stories you can share with us? Oh, absolutely. And and there are three that immediately come to mind, the mistakes to your point that we see over and over again. The the first I have already alluded to, which is tied to the communication plan, and, and that's the lack of organizational alignment. So, you know, making sure the business knows what's in it for them. Oftentimes, when you think about a procurement transformation, business users can perceive that um, some of their roles and responsibilities that they've had, sometimes for a very long time, are being taken away from them. And uh, you know, everyone thinks they're good at procurement, right? So taking away a, a, a key job responsibility where they feel like they've uh, succeeded yeah. is, is not a good thing. And and that's not what most procurement transformations are about. So making sure uh, that you know going in, people are going to feel that way. And uh, when you don't plan for those types of uh, experiences, we see a lot of change management uh, midway through a project that could have easily been prevented. Um, you know, another... It's a big one that starts every conversation I have with a customer, which is there's this perception, oddly enough, even today, that digital a digital transformation is all that is needed. So in other words, I'm going to implement a procure-to-pay or source-to-pay technology, and that's going to fix all my problems because now we're digitized. Right. And I, I get why, right? Because if, if you're in a paper process or if you lack visibility or you lack compliance, you think, all right. This will force the issue and everyone's using a system and then, you know, we're all set. But procurement's a a different animal than other areas of the business. And, you know, compliance uh, can be uh, easily gotten around, right? With use of P-cards, there's all sorts of different funding mechanisms you can use. This the residual uh, methods you used before. But also that idea that, you know, you probably have broken processes. If, If you're going through a transformation, you have processes, policies, governance models, things that need to change, adapt, and improve. And to not consider that when moving to digital, uh, you're, you're just going to find your bottlenecks uh, much more quickly, but you're still going to have those bottlenecks. And then the last one, and I, I hear this from customers all the time after a transformation, particularly one that I wasn't involved with, where they say, man, I did not know, and this is coming from procurement people, obviously, I did not know how the, the how, how big the accounts payable portion of this rollout was going to be. You know, that idea of all the invoices coming into a digital system, how AP works with suppliers versus how procurement works with suppliers. Time after time, I, I hear 
we could have planned this a lot better if we brought in AP earlier and if we were better partners with AP. So it, it really ties well to this whole podcast series of a finance-led transformation and connecting those dots early. Um, procurement and AP, even though they're two parts of the same process, they need to come together and connect as part of a transformation. And it, it it's funny how many times I hear that uh, procurement did not expect to, to learn as much as they did through that process. And if Abraham Lincoln were in procurement, Jennifer, I think <laughs> if he spent his 45 minutes planning, somewhere in there, AP probably would have come up. Um, so, yes. so hopefully he would have both a sharp axe and also a good relationship with AP to avoid some of those troubles in the transformation process. Um, Jennifer, what are the common mistakes that you have seen or, or some examples of issues during transformation you've encountered? Sure, sure. And a lot of the things that I've um, kind of mentioned throughout this this series have come from my own experiences. And, in, in, you know, I often say we've seen a lot. So we see what is it? It's always that quote from that insurance company. It's, you know, we've seen a thing or two, That's we right. know a thing or two, right? <laughs> so I, I tend to apply to a lot of the lessons learned um, throughout my experience to how I run a transformation. And one thing I've seen happen a lot um, is a lot of starts and stops. And I think I've mentioned that a few times. And there's a few things that happen as a result of that. So one piece being uh, when it's a very subjective approach. So when, when procurement or finance is taking the lead in their own sort of transformative event and they're they're trying to take on too much, right? So they're they're trying to lead the transformation and they don't have enough resources or time. But then it's also that you're sitting down and you're asking people what's wrong with the function that I'm in. They're not always going to be as honest uh, as they could be if there was an objective third party in the room asking that same question. Um, you know, we're human beings, right? We don't want to hurt people's feelings, right. but at the same time, we want things to go better. So that there's got to be a right balance. And you know, even if it's just during that discovery phase, it's so critical to have an objective uh, party in the room kind of mediating and, and trying to get to the root cause of issues. And then uh, the, the lack of resources piece. So this is one where um, I've actually, I had, I had a customer where this happened, I want to say three times they, they had started and stopped a transformation because of resource uh, issues where they went out and they did a, a really good job, honestly, of collecting feedback from stakeholders and putting it all together and, and putting together an action plan. And then they weren't able to do anything with it. And then they went back to the business a year later and said, we're going to do this again. Okay, great. Looking forward to it. And and then uh, it stalled again. So the third time, I think it was the third time they brought us in and we had a great deal of information to start with, but we also had a, a really um, mistrusting organization that we had to to run up against and say, yeah, they said they were going to do something before and, and we keep hearing that and nobody does anything. So that's a, a big challenge. Then you have to overcome regaining trust before you can even start the transformation and start to really enact some of the change that's needed. So so again, a lot of the things that we've mentioned throughout this are, are based on where I've seen things fail and, and why it's so important to plan and, and have all of these elements in place. And I don't make it, I don't mean to make it sound like it's impossible to do all of these things um, or that it's it's some sort of Herculean effort, but you know it really just comes down to doing things at the right time with the right people and and just having all of your ducks in a row. And Jen, if I stay with you for just a second, mm -hmm. if you had one 
piece of advice, if there was one thing you were going to say to people, as you said, it's not necessarily an unachievable goal, but you're going to need some things to help you along the way. What would your biggest tip or piece of advice that you would offer up be at the, to someone at the start of this journey? Sure. And, and I'd say it's walk the walk, right? So a lot of times um, we get we get organizations coming to us saying, hey, we know we have issues. We know we need to transform and, and we're really excited about doing something. And I'll, I'll say to them, um, before you even start, don't, don't start unless you're going to actually take action. So, because we're going to do a really thorough assessment. Like I said, we're going to talk to a lot of people in your organization and we're going to get them pretty excited about this change. So you cannot just take that assessment and do nothing. That's the worst you can do um, besides the wasted budget, right? Um, just, just it, it, it cultivates that lack of trust in the organization. So be prepared that you may not understand um, at this point what the lift is going to look like, but be prepared to have a plan in place to take that action afterwards and have the right people in place to um, get the approval and align the resources. And I think that's a great piece of advice that actually extends not only well beyond transformation, but well beyond procurement, right? So much of what we do in business now is based on trust and it's people hearing what you say and then do you come through and deliver against what you've offered up? That is absolutely critical both to actually achieving your objectives, but also to having the people that you work with trust you. Joe, can I get a similar tip from you? What piece of advice would you offer up to people at the start of a procurement transformation journey? It's a very similar theme for me, you know, and I've kind of touched on it a few times in this podcast, but the idea to, to take a look at the communications plan and make sure it's covered from all perspectives, right? So your perspective in procurement and or in finance, but also the end users and stakeholders that are going to be impacted, the leadership team that is sponsoring it and is, you know, ultimately holding you accountable for getting it done. And then the one that's overlooked more than any other, the suppliers. (laughs) And oddly enough, when you're going through those transformations, you should be soliciting input um, and apprising suppliers of what your plan is. What do they want and what do they need to know? What does success look like to them? Um, from the supplier point of view, if, if, if they see how your organization acts today and if it's decentralized, they probably have to deal with multiple different people answering all sorts of different questions uh, at any given time. Maybe you, know, you have stakeholders and AP negotiating with them after procurements are already put an agreement in place, uh, and now you're moving to a more centralized or center-led state, it's going to streamline, it's going to clean things up, it's going to give them more visibility into things like orders, uh, invoice status, all that kind of uh, activity. They should see it as a benefit, and they should know that that's that there's going to be um, uh, a better process for them in the future. And, you know, in that in that vein, you're then becoming the customer of choice, right? Which is what we always talk about in procurement. How do you become the customer of choice? Uh, making uh, suppliers part of a procurement transformation will certainly help enable that. Well, thank you, Joe. And thank you as well, Jennifer. I, I like hearing about these real examples based on your experience, because I think, you know, for for all of our sort of big objective-driven talk about procurement transformation. At the end of the day, it's our ability to execute through individual relationships and transactions and processes that need to be altered in order to make the most of our investment in digital that 
really makes these efforts worthwhile, right? That becomes the shared experience for anybody that has gone through them. Now, in the next episode, we're going to conclude this series by talking about how we can measure success in procurement transformation, as well as how we need to ensure that ongoing performance tracking happens to retain all of the benefits and advantages of the transformation journey that we've been on. So don't forget to join us for this last episode. Thanks for joining this CoreCentric Conversation, the podcast dedicated to sharing stories of procurement and finance transformation. We hope you found our discussion useful. With each episode, it's our goal to give you insight on how to lead change your organisation. Get started by visiting us at corecentric.com. That's C-O-R-C-E-N-T-R-I-C dot com.